Amen. Please be seated. At this time, Dave Mobs. Good afternoon. So I uh, bring you greetings from the uh, UK, Ireland and Nordic staff retreat. So we were, I just spent uh, some time up in Edinburgh with all the church leaders from, uh, from Ireland, from the UK and from the Nordic countries. And uh, it's definitely a really inspiring time being up in, up in Edinburgh. And uh, the guys in Edinburgh did a great job hosting us and stuff. And it was really encouraging just to see uh, the face of people from this part of the world. And uh, just to hear their stories and hear how God has uh, been moving in their in their lives, but um, I came back early in order to, uh, to be here to preach this afternoon, and um, if uh, I could get my volunteers to, uh, to come forward, there's some more, I just want to say um, a big thank you to those of you that have been praying for my grandpa as well, uh, I wasn't here last week so I was visiting him in hospital, uh, he, we're waiting for the results of his, uh, of his biopsy. Um, but it does look like he has a brain tumour which is cancerous and he hasn't got that long to live, uh, only a couple of months. So uh, yeah, thank you very much for your, for your prayers everyone. But um, we're going to begin with just uh, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a silly game, uh, just to, to il- make an illustration. So we have our uh, lovely volunteers here lined up. And, um, <laughs> what, what, I would like you to, what I would like to happen is, uh, beginning with Cameron, if, if you think in a one-on-one fight, you could beat Cameron. Could you put your hand up? <laughs> well, in fact, in fact, if you, yeah, if you think you could beat him, stand, because I think that would be easier. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good cue. <laughs> All right. What, what, you, what about Scott? What do you think if you could, if, in a one-on-one match with Scott, if you think you could beat Scott? <laughs> All right. What about JB? <laughs> All right. A couple of people. A couple of people. What, what about Mick? <laughs> all right, and last, uh, last of all, what about Derek? <laughs> all right, that's awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> So what you guys are doing in there, it's a bit of a laugh and a joke, but you're having to size them up, right? You know, if you were, if you were actually to have a, a physical confrontation with them, you're having to size them up and you're gauging how powerful you think they are and, and therefore how powerful you are in relation to them, all right? But I wonder, like, how would people gauge the power of Jesus? Like, how would they size Jesus up? You know, when you think of Jesus, what do you think of? Like what, what kind of, what images come to mind? Gentle. Gentle? Yeah? What about like, what about kind of an image? Do you have a, a picture in your head? Not necessarily a characteristic, but... Sorry? Short? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, kind of normal, yeah? 
<laughs> okay, so that's a good one. Yeah? A hippie. <laughs> yeah, really? That's true. That's true. If you went out to, to, to Birmingham City Centre and you kind of asked people, what, what, what kind of things do you think people would think? Like, what, what would they say? Sorry? Yeah, some halo or... Sorry? Yeah. Alright, because I think, you know, in terms of, like, for me, if someone says, like, if someone says Jesus in my head, I think a lot of what comes to mind is the images you see of Jesus. You know, the kind of thing that if you put Jesus into, into, you know, Google, the kind of picture that would come up. And he's usually some fairly skinny guy, kind of looking a bit wimpy on a cross, or he's, you know, uh, very like clean shaven or you know maybe he's got a beard but he seems very clean and he's looking after some children or some lambs or you know it's, he's quite kind of you know it, it portrays more of a feminine side of Jesus you know it portrays a kind of a compassionate um, you know soft side of Jesus you know and Jesus was definitely compassionate you know whether or not he sat around petting lambs like the gospels don't say that but he you know he's definitely had that side but there's another side to Jesus which isn't like always talked about and this is what actually sorry huh <laughs> He probably could win Eurovision, that's true. But, you know, there's, that, there's another side of him, though, which is his, his power and his glory, and that's what I want to talk about today, because that's actually what he talks about. It's actually how he describes himself. So I want to go through a, a bit of a journey through Matthew, just stopping off and looking at uh, different expressions of his glory and his power. Right, because I think if we paint a weak picture of Jesus, if he's quite, you know, soft and wimpy and, not, you know, a bit pathetic, then our following of him is also weak. You know, when it's not inspiring to, we don't, we're not, not going to believe in his promises if we think he's weak. Right, so I want to begin in Matthew chapter 8. Would you like to turn there with me? No, so there, there's many different things I could have chosen in, in looking at uh, these aspects of Jesus, but I just want to pick a, a few out this afternoon. So if you want to read with me from Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. So it reads, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples woke up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Like, can you imagine what this must have been like for the disciples? You know, that here's Jesus is asleep in the boat and there's the, this furious storm comes on the lake to the, to the point that the waves are sweeping over the boat and they, they, must be, they, they would be panicked. Like, has anyone here been caught in a storm on a lake or at sea before? Yeah, what was it, what was it like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Roland. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, was it was it frightening, or were you like? 
<laughs> yeah, just felt sick. Okay. <laughs> a brave man. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is pretty scary. I mean, just recently I was out with um, my friend uh, Killian. Some of you might know the, the Heinz family. I went out to, uh, to Ireland to visit him. And uh, his family owns a barge down by uh, a big lake that ne- the name I can't remember in uh, Tipperary. And uh, we, we, uh, he has like, the big barge and they have a smaller boat that goes with it with an engine and stuff. So we were just going out on this boat and playing around and stuff. And we were trying to make it to the other side of this lake, uh, to the pub on the other side so we could get a drink. Um, but this storm was coming and we could see this storm coming towards us and stuff. But we thought, I guess, carry on. So we saw this storm, but we were like, but you could, the waves were beginning, you know, and it was a, it was a fight and a wrestle for Killian to, um, to you know, keep the boat under control and at one point we nearly got uh, flipped out of the boat and stuff but it was interesting even that they weren't massive waves but you're still in the middle of this lake thinking it's a bit of a big swim back you know that, and I'm wondering what it must have been like for the disciples with no life jacket you know n- no rescue service this must have been a scary situation for them it is scary when you realise you know the power of the elements but Jesus is totally at peace he's calm he's asleep and they wake him up you know and he's kind of he's almost upset you know, like, why did you bother waking me up? You know, and I can just imagine him standing up and he just rebukes the wind and the waves and they just go calm. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I was just imagining, like, I was thinking that while I sat in the boat with Killian and stuff, like how cool it would be, you know, to stand up and be able to just make it all calm. You know, but that's an incredible amount of power. You think G- nature submits to Jesus. Like it, it literally obeys him in an instant. You know, and I think, you know, they asked the question, what kind of a man is this. You know, I think if we were there, if we were one of those disciples as well, we'd be asking the same question, like, what kind of a man is this that nature obeys him, that the winds and the waves, do they just submit to his will? Like, it's seriously impressive. If we carry on in the same chapter, in Matthew uh, chapter 8, in verse 28, it says, when he arrived at the other side, right, two demon-possessed men uh, coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass their way. Right, so there's these two demon-possessed guys. Right, that sounds pretty intimidating, right? But they're so violent, nobody even goes anywhere near them. Right, they're, they're too violent to go anywhere. But these two guys are coming towards Jesus. And they start shouting at him in verse 29. It says, what do you want with us, son of God? He shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? You know, that, that must be a pretty intimidating situation for, for Jesus. These guys are coming, but he doesn't seem phased by it. But what's interesting is these demons are shouting at him. Like, the demons, are, they seem panicked by him. They're, they're afraid of him. Like, Jesus, why are you here? What are you doing here? Like, this, you're not supposed to be here. This is too soon. Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? I mean, what, do you, what does that say about who Jesus is? Like, his, you know, it says, in, I think it's in James, it says, you know, that the demons shudder at the name of Jesus. Now, you see, these guys are, these, are t- these demons are terrified of Jesus. You know, we watch the scary films and stuff and people get all freaked out by the, you know, scary demon things and stuff. These things that we are afraid of are as equally, if not more, afraid of Jesus. For me, that's quite an impressive thought, you know, that the things that we can be so afraid of are petrified at Jesus. Right, and then, um, you know, he has compassion on them and he sends, you know, they're begging him to have compassion. Strangely enough, he has compassion on these demons and he sends them into some pigs. Right, and then in verse 23, 
Um, it says, those sending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what happened to the demon-possessed men. The whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. You'd think if you'd just seen some two demon-possessed guys and stuff get you know, healed and stuff, you would be quite impressed. But, you see, these guys actually seem quite panicked. Like, and if you actually put yourself in that situation, if you imagine watching that happen, like, I think you'd be quite freaked out at that level of power. If you're seeing demons are terrified of a guy that's just turned up, and the guy is able to command those demons to leave, to go into some pigs, and then the pigs run down the hill into the lake and die, you think, who the heck is this guy? Like, you'd be, it would freak you out. This is not comfortable. This is not an everyday thing that they were hoping for. This is a, a serious amount of power. We go to Matthew chapter 9. In verse 1, sorry, not in verse 1, in verse, uh, in verse 6, so he said to the paralyzed, so this is where Jesus goes and, and he heals uh, a, par- a paralyzed man. So he says, in verse 6, to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to a man. I mean, here's a paralyzed guy, the guy can't move, right, and he's brought to Jesus, and Jesus just casually says to him, get up, and and go home. And the guy just gets up, and goes home. You know, and I kind of don't really, it doesn't really, I don't really kind of think that he he hobbled out, I think it's like he got got up and he walked out. Again, this is Jesus' authority over, over nature, breaking all the laws of science, just casually saying, yeah, get up. You know, I, I heal you. Like, that's a serious amount of power. You know, here's Jesus. The, the winds and the waves obey him. Demons are afraid of him and are, you know, are terrified of him. And he has the power to heal people at will as if it's nothing. I mean, this is no wimpy, pathetic guy. This is a guy with a serious amount of power. If you go to Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, Peter, that on this rock I will... And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's a pretty big statement. You know, Jesus is saying, he's chatting with with Peter, and he's like, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you, and the gates of Hades won't be able to stop me. Like, that won't, there's, effectively, nothing can stop me. And he was right, because we're still here. Like, we're still here, we're still, there are, there always has been, and there always will be true believers of Christ until he returns. Like, it's an amazing statement, if you see what he's saying, that I can't be stopped. Like, not even the gates of Hades are able to stop what I'm doing. Like, that's pretty scary when you meet someone that's unstoppable. You know, I think of the, the Terminator films, you know, and you've got the, you're running from the Terminator that you just don't seem to be able to kill. You know, and you can, you can see the panic in people where they can't stop him. Like, there's that kind of power in Jesus that there's no, there's no way to stop him, though. Like, not even the gates of Hades can hold back what he's hoping to do. But go to, to Matthew chapter 25, where... Moving swiftly through the through the uh, through the gospel, 
Now, I think, I think what we're about to read now is how we're, how we're going to see Jesus for the first time, right? None of us have had a Paul moment, you know, where he's appeared to us, you know, that this is, this is how we're going to see Jesus for the very first time. Right, here in, in verse 31 of chapter 25, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the angels will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. You know, he's, he's saying, I'm coming back. Like, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to come back with all of my angels. I don't know how many that is going to be, but I imagine that's a lot of angels. Right. And for me, I kind of wonder what that would look like. With the, the sky starts to rip open, and you start to see Jesus descending with millions upon millions of angels. And he starts to descend on a throne, and he gathers all the people before him. Right, and he, I mean, there's seven billion people at the moment. That's a lot of people if he came back today. He gathers everybody before him like it's nothing. And we're all sitting at that throne before him. And then he starts to separate people. Because this is a bit that we're a little bit uncomfortable with, is that he, he's going to start doing this. He's going to get separated. Those that are, chose him and those that didn't. You know, there's a, there's a side of the power we, we, that we like, but there's also a bit that starts to challenge us when we start to realize that this powerful being that is God is he's actually going to start separating people but he's saying I am going to come back I will come back this is going to happen you know but there's this there's this God though with so much power and so much authority and yet in verse 20 in verse uh, sorry in chapter 26 Jesus gets betrayed and then here begins the kind of last the story of the last few days which starts to not necessarily fit with what we've just been seeing um, but if you, if you turn to uh, Matthew chapter 26, you know, Judas, uh, Jesus has started to predict his betrayal and then Judas um, like agrees to, to betray him and uh, he leads a, a group of guards to him uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane and then um, Peter realises what's happening. Right, and Peter decides that he's going to do something about it. So he takes out his sword and he attacks one of the guards and he cuts off his ear. And this is, this is uh, Jesus' response to him in verse 52 of chapter 26. It says, Put your sword back in its place, said Jesus, for all who draw, who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels. But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way? You know, Peter hadn't really understood it. You know, he, he rips out his sword and he starts attacking someone to cut off his ear and, and Jesus says, no, put it away. Like, don't you realize, Peter, I could stop this whenever I wanted to? Like, you haven't grasped, like, although we've, you know, you've been present and you've watched me calm the storm and heal, the, heal people and drive out demons, you haven't seen how powerful I am, don't you realize I could call 12 legions of angels to stop what's happening? Like, you know, I think it's one thing to endure a form of suffering if there's no way out. You know, if there's nothing you can do about it, I think it's something entirely different if at any moment you could click your fingers and that's it. It's finished. 
You know, when he was tempted in, in the, when he first began his ministry in uh, Matthew chapter 4, and he's tempted in the desert, you know, and, um, you know, once he's, he's, uh, Satan's come to tempt him three times, and once he's resisted, the angels come to attend to him. I kind of think the same thing would surely happen at this. Any moment he could click his fingers, 12, 12 legions of angels turn up to save him, and then they would start attending him, which has got to be the best medical care you can hope for, surely. You know, but, I just, think it's, I just think it's an incredible thing. Why would a guy with so much power choose to allow this to happen to him? You know, and, but I also think, though, at the same time, that, that it takes a great deal of power, therefore, if you can stop something, to not. Like, to, to actually endure that. But I think Jesus had already predicted this is going to happen. Like, they're going to talk to me, they're going to do these things to me. If you, if you read in verse uh, 67 of chapter 26... It says, Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? You know, if you're really the Messiah, surely you can tell who hit you. You know, if you're so powerful, if you're so mighty, why don't you tell us who hit you? You know, in Matthew chapter 27 as well, in verse 27, it says, And the governor's soldiers took him and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail the king of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off his robe and put, it, put on his own clothes. Then they led him away to crucify him. I mean, imagine what that must have been like for Jesus. Like, he knows how powerful he is, yet this is happening to him. People are mocking him, people are beating him, people are torturing him. But, and all, through all of that, every punch, every hit, every word they say, he could end it at any moment, you know, at any point. You know, I remember, you know, you have those moments where you're getting wound up by someone and you're kind of, you're tempted to let them know that you could do something about what they're doing. And that's just such a tiny glimpse of what Jesus must have been enduring. You know, but I think there's some, there's a power in him. He, he's kind of like, well, yeah, give me your best shot. Like, you're not going to stop me from doing what I've set out to do. You know, this is, I'm, I'm here to fulfill the scripture. I'm here to be the sacrifice of your sins. I'm here to provide a, 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 a sacrifice for you. This is how the restoration between God and, and man is going to happen. And I cannot be stopped. And I will see it through to the end. And I will make it to the end. I think that's incredible power for me to see that. But he made a prediction. I'm going to raise from the dead. Like, go ahead, kill me. I'm still going to come back. Like, give me your worst shot. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Like, to me, that's pretty awesome that he can say, yeah, go ahead, torture me, do whatever you want. I'm still coming back. You know, and in chapter eight, sorry, in chapter 28, he does get crucified, right? And then he, um, the uh, women go to his tomb, right? And in verse uh, chapter in verse five of chapter eight. Now, the, the women have, have gone to the tomb, but they, he's not there, right? And then the angel said to the women in verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. 
Like, uh, this is pretty. This is pretty cool stuff. I mean, this is the, these women come to the tomb of Jesus and stuff. I'm not sure if they really expected this, to, to see him like, alive again. You know, I think their kind of hopes had been had been dashed. If you kind of read through the story, you see that they all legged it and ran off, and you know, including Peter himself. But they, here they are. They've come back, and the, the the big stone is rolled away, and there's an angel sat on top of it, and they're like, uh, "What's happening?" And he's like, "Well, Jesus, you know, he's he's risen as he said he would." You know, that came up. he said he would, and he he has risen. And for me, that's an incredible power. I mean, we, there's there's things that we can do in this world, and we think we're we're quite powerful. But none of us have the power to come back from the dead. I mean, that's an enormous amount of power. But I just think this next bit is kind of funny for me. I think Jesus had some had a good sense of humor. Uh, he had a, he had some good banter in verse nine. Right, the women are running back to to tell the disciples. Right, and Jesus in verse nine. He says, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. You know, I must imagine their surprise. They're running back to tell the disciples and Jesus kind of, and in essence, just goes boo and jumps out to them. You know, just greetings and then disappears again. Just like, that's pretty cool in my mind. I'd love to have seen that. You know, when I get to heaven, I hope there's the ability to kind of watch things back in history and to watch that moment as they're running along and Jesus just randomly, boom, just turns up. You know, I think it's, it's amazing, but he calls all these disciples together. He wants them to be all together. And this is where the, the chapter of Matthew ends. If you go to Matthew chapter 28, sorry, the, the book of Matthew ends. And I think this is a scripture that we, uh, we, we read quite a lot. I think we, we're familiar with it. I think many of us even know it off by heart, but I think sometimes we can lose the power in what it says. In verse 18 of chapter 28, right, it reads, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Like I think it's, it's that first bit that's a big standout. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, that's, an, that's, that's huge. That's a huge amount of power. Everything. You know, whatever you think is powerful, there's nothing that compares to me, is what Jesus is saying. Now, if you want to have a, 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 a who's the bigger man contest, Jesus definitely wins, like, hands down. There's no competition. He said all... John is smirking away. But, <laughs> but, but uh, God wins all authority in heaven and on earth. You know, and he wants us to go and, and to, to tell people about it, to go and make disciples. You know, because you say, look, I'll be with you always. You know, my disciples, these people, you're going to be with me. Because we have this chance, therefore, to be on the side of, with God. You know, there's this great power and this majesty and this, you know, supreme authority that, but we can be on the, on the side of him. You know, we can, we can benefit from that. If you go with me to, uh, to Revelation chapter 1. In, in, uh, verse, in chapter 1, verse 17b, it says, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. 
I was dead and now look, I am alive and forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and of Hades. I don't know about you, but it's quite easy to be afraid. Yeah, it's quite easy for me to worry. I'm a natural worrier. I don't like, you know, I, I worry about the future and what's going to happen and where I'm going to go. And, you know, I think worry is something that's natural to us. Fear is something that plays a big part of our lives. You know, there's many things to worry about. And life is a fragile thing. You know, I was definitely reminded of this recently, getting the call last week on Friday, you know, that my grandfather had been rushed into hospital and, you know, my family were going down to be there and stuff and going down to see him and it wasn't that long ago that we were hanging out and everything was fine and you hear, uh, now I'm hearing that he has a brain tumour and has only got, you know, a few months to live and you think, Oh gosh, well what's going to, like, that's very sudden, you know, like, we, we can't predict the future of, well, okay, what's going to happen with my, with my granny and my grandpa, he still has a business, what's going to happen with the business, and there's so, there's so many things to worry about, and just things in life that it's so easy to be worriers. But, there's a statement here from, you know, from Jesus, don't be afraid. And I think, if, for me, if God isn't powerful, if Jesus isn't powerful, then this doesn't mean anything. Like, it's just that, you know, it's just like having a mate say, oh, don't worry, you know, like, I appreciate that, but you're not really able to help the situation, you know, but it's very different from a God who has all authority and all power, who says, don't be afraid. You know, I think that when he therefore, when he makes a statement of, of a promise or a, a, a desire to help, then I think that there's more security that can be taken from what he's saying if we see him for who he really is. You know, and um, do you want to turn with me back to Matthew? If we go to Matthew chapter 6. Yeah, because I think, you know, because we don't dwell enough on the power of God, I think that, you know, a lot of our life is spent in fear, in shame, in worry, you know, but, and I think that we need to actually spend more time dwelling on how powerful God is. And in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 33, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And all these things are, you know, the things we worry about. This, this chapter is about the things that people worry about, about their clothes, about their food, about what they're going to drink, about this, the things of life that we love to worry about. And God's making us a deal. He's saying, look, you worry about what I worry about, which is my kingdom. You take, you take care of that stuff, and I'll take care of all the stuff you're worrying about. We can do an exchange. Now, that doesn't sound very like, inspiring if you think, it's not particularly inspiring for me if I think Jesus is just quite wimpy. Right, but if I think Jesus got is of all authority and all power, then it's like what? That doesn't seem like a bad idea. Like that seems like quite a smart solution to my problem. If God's going to take care of all of all of the things that I'm worrying about, you know, in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, this is one of my favourite promises from God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For me, this is, a, this is a really powerful thing. God works for the good in all situations for those who love him. 
Now, this God who has the power to, nature submits to Jesus. You know, Jesus is able to, to raise people, well, you know, he rose Lazarus from the dead, we didn't look at that today, but you know, he rose uh, the paralytic guy so he could walk, you know, all these things that, that he drives out demons. This God goes, I'm just going to, I'm going to work in your life for the good in everything. I've got your back, I'm going to take care of you. Like, that is a, that's a powerful promise. But I think those promises mean little if we don't dwell on the power of God. You know, let us be people that size up Jesus correctly. You know, let us size him up for who he really is. You know, let us not underestimate who he is and the power that he has. You know, let us take, take courage from the fact that Jesus is mighty and powerful, supreme above everything, but yet is willing to care about us just small people. You know, let us just be encouraged, therefore, as we live out the life that he has called us to. Amen. So at this time I'm just going to pray and then I think uh, someone's coming up. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance just to um, spend time together at church. Lord, it's a privilege to be here. Lord, we thank you that we can uh, read the scriptures, God, that we can see how powerful you are, God, that we know uh, that you are supreme, Father, above uh, all things, God. I pray that we can have the faith, God, to see you as you really are, that we can follow you uh, wholeheartedly, confident, God, that you are powerful to uh, fulfill your word, God, and the promises that you give us, God. Thank you for that courage and that peace that we can have in your son's name we pray. Amen.